Welcome, adventurers and knowledge seekers. We are your guides, Goose and Ash. Hello. Take a map and a torch, but whatever you do, please do not feed the gelatinous cube as we enter the, the Crypt, Crypt of, of Knowledge. knowledge. Welcome back to the Crypt of Knowledge. We're excited to tonight discuss table culture and red flags in both players and DMs. But first off, Goose, how are you doing tonight? Well, it's late and I'm tired, but we're here and we're, <laughs> we're, we're having a good time. How are you, Ash? I feel great. I can't wait to run mm -hmm. a 5K after we get done with this. So, mm -hmm. uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I'm also tired. But I'm excited because I feel like this uh, topic is, is particularly relevant in today's times. So I'm, I'm ready Agreed. to talk about it. But before we get into the topic this week, Ash, it's still September and we are doing another wonderful giveaway. This is week two. If you didn't get in on last week's and get a chance to win our Better Backstories package we have for you, you'll have a chance this week to win another set. So Ash, tell us all about it. Yeah, so this is your, your second week, second opportunity to win a Better Backstories deck of card. These were designed by my friend Jay. We became buddies on TikTok, and they are some of my absolute favorite tools for story building and character building. Uh, so you follow the simple instructions on the cards, and as you lay them out, they build a backstory for your character. The more cards you use, the more complex the backstory, so they're perfect for fleshing out really in-depth detailed characters or something as simple as an NPC that runs your local tavern. They will, you can enter to win this by going to our socials. Um, this should be posted now and ready. And now given with the, the new information that have come out with one D&D, now that you can build your background with feats, we want you to comment on our social media posts with what feat would you take as well as follow us on our socials and tag someone in the comments so you can find us on instagram twitter and tiktok under dnd crypt podcast so check that out now for your chance to win a better backstories deck of cards yeah and we're actually going to give you a preview of how those cards work probably in our next episode we'll take a few minutes and we'll break it down we'll have a, a basic character and then we'll go through those cards and build a backstory so you can see how that all works out they are really fun and there are so many options and, and ways to do it so uh, make sure you check back for that plus your next chance to win too but now let's get into it okay. what is <laughs> table culture what is it table culture i think you know, it's it's the same as if you're a teacher, you know, you have what's called your classroom culture. Or if you're a family, you have your family culture. And basically, it's the expectations for behavior and attitude when at the table. So when you sit down to play D&D with your group, you know the parameters for your behavior. It will be unique to your group, just like your family culture and your classroom is unique to that environment. Um, and so table culture can drive pretty much every aspect of your gameplay in D&D. I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, as a DM, I think your analogy to a teacher is perfect because <laughs> sometimes it feels like your kindergarten teacher trying to wrangle up a bunch of five-year-olds. So I, <laughs> I, I can understand that player, perfectly well. I resent well. that, but you're not, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> you, you have DM'd as well. You understand. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so why does that really matter 
though at a table? What is what is the point of having and setting a table culture? So if the point of D&D is to have fun and tell a great story, that can't be accomplished if anyone participating in that story feels unsafe, unwelcome, or unheard. You can't let yourself, you know, go completely or be present in the moment if you're feeling unsafe. And if, if your ideas are unheard, you're just not going to give yourself fully to the story. So if you want a good story, if you want a good gameplay experience, uh, you have to look at your table culture. And it's something that's set or should be set from the very beginning. Yeah, I, I agree. And we've talked about some red flags before when we talked about our session. session that's still a hard word to say. <laughs> session zeros. Yes. We talked about it a little bit. But tonight we're going to dig in deeper and, and look at not just players but also with some red flags you might see with your dms as well so yeah i think it's a there's a lot of those out there because i i know there's a lot of people that want to play and there's not as many dms as there are players mm -hmm. there just never will be uh, so i think sometimes you can latch on to the first dm you find even though they may not fit your play style or, or anything like that so we'll give some options to think about so who would you say is primarily responsible for table culture the entire table. The entire table. Both both, it, both the players and DM. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Now, the DM, especially if they're the experienced one at the table, should take charge of getting it started. They should lay out their roles and their expectations, but it has to be a discussion with everyone. It, it can't be just one person making all the decisions. It has to be a group because you're all trying to put your your own feelings and your triggers and whatever else that you need taken care of at the table. You're trying to put it all together. So I, I think it has to be everyone. Yeah. Do you agree? I agree. Uh, unless you're playing specifically with like middle school children or like maybe you're a dad sitting at the table teaching his, teaching his kids or a mom teaching her kids. Uh, yeah. If you're playing with a group of adults, you are all equally, equally responsible, you know, for, for table culture. Now that's not to say that you're responsible for someone else's, struggles or triggers because no one's responsible for our own triggers but you are responsible for being mindful for the impact that your presence and your decisions are having on others and being mindful i think of not making it about yourself too yeah you can't project to other people right. it's also a very fine line like you said you you're not responsible for other people's problems or or their mental set status or anything like that so if you come to the table and, and you're having these discussions and you say, well, I have been a victim of violence in the past, I will not participate in combat. You, you just can't make those rules at a table. This game is filled with combat. Mm -hmm. So you have to be reasonable in some expectations. <clears throat> While I can understand and respect the fact that you've, you've had that happen to you in the past, this might not be the type of game for you if yeah. that's the case then. So you have to be careful with expecting too much from a group. So when you talk about your triggers, I think it's important to just talk about the really major ones when you're having a discussion. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's up to the DM as well. So maybe you play just a healing life cleric. And, you know, that may mean that they have to bring on uh, another player to kind of fill your spot as far as needing somebody in combat. Because it is hard to do combat. If you have three players and only two of them fight, that's that's hard. That's a lot of weight on those two players. It's definitely doable, but like you said, maybe at this time that's not a not a good game for you to be playing or or just to be something to consider because it is full of violence. You're right. 
Yeah, and, and there are ways you can be a passive in combat. Mm-hmm. You can do that. But it's, I don't know, that's a difficult topic and one that I, I don't think either one of us have the the capacity to dig within ourselves and understand how somebody that's been affected by violence right. might feel about it. Yeah. But uh, luckily for us, we don't have that capacity. And, and so it's it would be a very difficult thing to broach at a table. And I just use that as an example of someone kind of kind of setting too much of a standard Uh, you may be able to figure it out at your table you might you might be a complete group of victims that have had some kind of trauma in the past you might be the entire group together and so you do play something that's more Mm role-playing based and the combat is not to the death it's just uh, not not a tickle fight but you know you're just you're not trying to kill somebody so there are ways around it at any table if the dm is willing to to modify it that way yeah i could see even like uh, an entire campaign or or party based around only fighting monsters and not people Mm -hmm. but there's entire campaigns that are based around political intrigue yeah they never have to kill someone it's just you talk dirty about them (laughs) so that's one reason it is it's so important to a know, know yourself this is just a game, so we're not trying to get too heavy with it, but anyone who's played D&D and played for an extended amount of time knows that something happens when you sit down at the table, and when you start playing as a PC, this kind of unconscious part of your brain slips in, and, and uh, it can become a little bit like therapy, and so you are somewhat emotionally and mentally vulnerable, and that's why it's important to be at a table with people that you trust that have the best interests in mind for you as a human, as a real person, not necessarily your character, which isn't real, as much as I want them to be. Um, so <laughs> They're real to you. They Ash. are real to me. I'm so precious. That's about trust, about trusting that the people you're playing with have your best interests in mind, that there's no malicious intent, and that even when things might, might get uncomfortable for us here Earthside, it's not with the intention of purposefully upsetting or triggering or hurting anyone. Yeah, I think the intent is the important part mm-hmm. that you're they're talking about there. You know, doing things that your character would do. Some people use that as an excuse to do off-brand things. But, uh, you know, you can tell when someone is intending to do something that, that triggers you or... or that might trigger someone at the table versus they're just trying to play the game. Yeah. So I think, yeah, intent is a big part of that. Yeah, I, I think so. And I've been on both sides of it of like being accidentally kind of upset by something that was happening. It was in, but knowing that there was no ill intent behind that. And it is a different feeling than instead being purposely goaded, you know, and being purposely prodded. That's, that's different. One's, one's an accident. One's, one's bullying. And you yeah. know when, so, so what is some advice if somebody's at a table and they, they do encounter that, how do you suggest that they approach it? Should they go through their DM? Should they approach player to player? So I think it's best anytime there's a situation that the DM is involved you may make it a three-way conversation. Whoever uh, the person is that you feel might be intentionally doing something, bring them involved. But the DM has to handle the consequences one or the other. If, if the two players don't get along, they have to figure out a way to make it work at the table or one of them has to go. I, I mean, it can't disrupt the entire game because it's not fair to everyone else. So while it's important to involve the other person to get their side of the story, I think the DM needs to be the arbitrator. Mm of that conversation so they can be there to just uh, try to look at both sides 
and uh, be the the fair and impartial part of the conversation mm. and see what can happen. I, I think the DMs usually are the most experienced uh, and they may know both parties. They may have been friends with both parties, so they may know some more insight possibly into what's happening. So I, I think it's important to involve all the parties. Mm, yeah. And I think that's um, another good example of why it can be helpful to have to start with session zeros, to start with, you know, possibly consent forms. So that way the DM does have a little more insight and, and background into everyone and can maybe even stop a problem before it happens. If they start to see something building or happening, could, you know, get out in front of it either directly by talking to the players about it or indirectly by changing the story very suddenly and say, hey, you know what? Boom, we're going to go over here, and that completely removes uh, that possibility, maybe. Yeah, there, there's all kinds of possibilities to deal with it. Hopefully, both players are willing to compromise and continue playing. I've seen lots of tables torn apart from problems like that. It's hard enough to get people to show up at a set date consistently to be able to play, let alone when things like that start happening. It, it's... It's a lot of the reasons games don't last long as they get torn apart with things like that. So the session zero is very important. Session zero is, I mean, it can be so many things to so many people. It can be formally done. It can be just a bunch of talk in a, in a chat somewhere. Uh, you can do one-on-ones, do it as a group. So many ways that we've talked about a couple of episodes ago in our session zero episode. But whatever is going to work for your group is, is best. And if you don't know the players... I suggest not just the session zero so you get to know their characters, but conversations around the people too, to get to know who you're playing with. Yeah. And so in doing that, I mean, it's hard. We don't want to generalize, but are there, are there any like red flags in players that you kind of, if you notice them, you, they kind of like spark a, you know, like perk your ears up a little bit. It's so hard to tell because there are so many personalities. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult from one session to the next to know what kind of mood they're in. So, you know, red flags, nothing that we say in this podcast, we'll just preface it this way. Nothing we say in this podcast is an absolute problem. Mm -mm. It's just something that if two, three, four things add up, then you might take it as a sign, okay, this is not a player we want or this is not a DM I want to play with. So let's just let's get that out of the way to begin with because we're going to say some things and they're going to be like, but that's that's me. I do those <laughs> things. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. doesn't mean you're a bad player or a DM. It just means that these are some attitudes, actions that we have seen turn into bad players or players not suitable for your table. So people who like to min-max <laughs> are, are always something to look at. <laughs> That's a that's a totally viable style of play. Yeah. But to do that, you are metagaming. You are knowing too much about the game to try to make your character the best they can be. The flaws are what make your character the best they can be. I wish more people understood that. You don't need to be perfectly min-maxed. But on the flip side, it's a perfectly fine style to play. If your DM likes that and allows that and you want to handle it, that's just one thing to look for again. It doesn't mean you're a bad player if you try to min-max. Everyone at some point tries to min-max. Yeah, you can't really juke the stats, Cupcake. You got to just play <laughs> the hand you're dealt. But, yeah. And, again, it kind of goes back to intent. So why are you min-maxing? 
because I want to beat the crap out of everyone that comes across my path. Okay, red flag. We're going to say it's a red flag um, <laughs> because I want to have to compensate for my weaknesses to make a more interesting character. Green flag. That's a fantastic reason to min-max. I'm all about it. But yeah, I, I agree. Min-maxing, it's something to look at, like you said. Just like, mm, what you doing there, bud? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A again, in and of itself is not a bad thing. Perfectly fine to do. Some people love to play that way. They want to be the best character. If you play any MMOs or regular RPGs that are video games, you're going to do that with your character because you're like, I want to beat the game, so I need to follow this meta. Yeah. Uh, but D&D, there's no meta. You don't need to do that. There are so many races, so many classes, so many subclasses mm -hmm. now that you could make a character that no one else has ever played before and is perfectly fine. Yep, absolutely. Not a problem. <laughs> you also have to kind of watch and, and see how they role play. You talked about role playing. Are they deficient in role playing? So do they try to make it up in other ways? Are they, do they take situations where there could be role play and just immediately jump past it mm. and ignore it? And jump right and do, I'm going to punch everything in front of me. You know, murder hobos and yeah. those types of people. Uh, again, if that's your entire table style, that's your style. But if you put a murder hobo in a group of other wise good RP players, they can get very frustrated very quickly when they don't get to stretch their RP muscles. And you punch everything before they get a chance to talk to it. Yeah. Yeah, it can very easily dominate the session so yeah I think that that attitude or role-playing style that puts them at the center of attention very very often some people uh especially you know if maybe if you're a little bit extroverted if you have like a drama or a theater background it's it's just that your natural instinct and you're not you're not meaning to and I get that it's totally fine that's one of those situations where it's the dm's responsibility to be like either direct attention to some other players or just have a quiet conversation and be like, hey, so, you know, how about we let so-and-so lead this conversation, things like that. But so I'm not saying that's an all-in-out red flag, but if it's, if they keep um, dominating over others to the point mm -hmm. that it becomes bullying, you know, then that's, that's definitely a red flag. Yeah, there's almost always a dominant personality at every table. Someone is is going to take charge and want to be the leader and want to make some calls and do all that. And it's fine if the group goes along with it. But like you said, you have to allow the opportunity for other players to do what they need to do in, in their character. And I think that falls back not on the player because they're, they're just playing how they know how to play. Mm -hmm. But that falls back on the DM to, like you said, figure out how to spread the wealth around, mm -hmm. how to get the other players involved who aren't really good at, at RP. Maybe by directing something straightly at them. Like you mentioned, you can walk into a town and they go into a bar and somebody decides to pick on the person who never talks, yep. you know, and it forces them in a situation. The, the person that's always speaking and taking the limelight tries to speak up and the, and the NPC goes, no, shut up. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> and it forces them into some role play. So you can, you can shift it as the DM. You have complete power to shift who the camera is focusing at mm. and you should. Everyone should have equal playtime at your table, so I'm a strong believer of that. Absolutely. Totally agree. So what other red flags have you seen in players that you might just take a second look at? <laughs> the risk of... <laughs> I'm not trying to call anybody, call anybody out, but uh, a, a lack of character development when creating their character. So 
I don't know who I am or where I came from. All I know is I, you know, I'm the strongest uh, person here. I'm going to beat the crap out of everybody. It just shows a lack of commitment maybe or, or a lack of involvement. And the rest of us have, you know, kind of really thought through these things. Or, yeah, like maybe the kind of character that, mm. that they create. Not that there's, I don't really believe in the stereotypes of, of people who pick certain races and certain classes. I don't think that's, you know, true. They, they're all mostly said in good fun, but mostly un- untrue, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're right. When you, when you talk about backstories, they're difficult. Backstories can be really hard. And again, if you're that introvert and you're not really good at thinking those things up, it, it's being devil's advocate here, not always a bad thing, but there are things you can do. You can turn that character over to your DM. Say, here's who I am. How did I get to be who I am? Mm-hmm. And then you and your DM can work together and either you know the backstory after they're done with it or you don't and you just get surprised as you go through the campaign. I'm like, and here is your mother that you haven't seen in 20 years and she's very angry at you. And you're like, oh no, <laughs> I'm an adventurer who still has parents alive. What happened? <laughs> The formula is broken. (laughs) There's no no tragedy. There's no tragedy. (laughs) Uh, So, again, just something, if it adds up with other things, could be a red flag. But backstories are hard. Figuring out who your character is going to be at at level one, two, or three is difficult as well. Mm. So I think you're right. You have to have some character growth as you play that character. You'll, You'll figure them out as you play. As you make choices in your RP and your decisions, you will figure out, okay, this is how my character thinks. So again, it could be a red flag if someone gets to level five or six and they're still like, I have no clue. I'm just going to punch everything. Yeah. Or they, they don't have any intricacies to their play. It might be a red flag. But again, I know we're not helping anybody much by saying it could or could not be. But there's no 100% red flag unless somebody comes to your table and they're just drunk every time and they're cussing all the time and they're just disrupting the game. Oh, yeah. Okay, if we want to talk about absolute red flags, sure. (laughs) Yeah. That is a no-brainer. Everyone knows that's a red flag. Yeah. But all these others are just things to watch for. These more like if you're a DM and you're wondering what could be negatively affecting the chemistry of your table, if you're wondering, man, that session just didn't feel great and – our last three sessions have been dragging, not feeling great. It's just more to bring your attention to some things that might be affecting your table culture. If you have three people at your table who want to have conversations, who want to sit around a campfire and talk to each other and learn about each other, who want to talk to all the NPCs, and then you have one person who don't does not want to do that, mm-hmm. it, it's difficult. That's why you need to be aware of these things. You need to look and see... You know, who is the one-off in my situation and how can we get them to go along with the rest of the players? We had a player who didn't love role play. He was good at role play. Didn't love it, though. Mm -hmm. Loved combat. And so during the down time, the down hours, where a lot of the interesting role play or or kind of like synergy can happen between characters, he didn't have much to do until his very rough-and-tumble, super buff, super mean monk started knitting right and it became the best funniest quirkiest thing and he would knit us he would think of the most ridiculous things to knit us and so if there was downtime he's like i'm knitting a a hat to go over ari's helmet Mm -hmm. and then so and he loved that 
And it wasn't RP, but it was something like funny and quirky and it gave him something to do during the downtime. And so yeah. it's not about telling your combat player, hey, I need you to RP more. It's like, what can we find for you to do that you would find interesting or funny or or something that we yeah. can give your character that may be completely ridiculous? Yeah, absolutely. A, a hobby for a character is a wonderful thing because like I say, any downtime, you can you can jump into it. We have a player that anytime there's downtime, they're writing spells into their wizard book. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're doing. And so a lot of times they're not involved necessarily in the role play either because they're in a different room with doing things. Yep. Uh, but, you know, it, and their issue is not that they don't like to role play. They role play all the time. But it's just what their character does. Yeah. So it, something as simple as that, just knowing what your character would do when there's not a person to punch in front of you, that's that's what you need to do, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a lot of things to talk about players, which, again, we talked a little bit about before. But what are some red flags to look for when you're looking for a DM? I think any DM who goes into the a game with the attitude of how can I win? I think that's a that's a pretty big red flag. And yeah. but how do you know that that's their attitude going into the game before you start playing with them? That's a good question, and I'm probably not very uh, educated enough to answer it because I've only played with you. That's <laughs> <laughs> fair. And you that's made fair. it very clear. I remember. I don't even remember how what I said or how I asked the question, but I was gearing up to DM my first one shot, and I think I was I made a joke about wanting to win or to beat you guys or something like that, and you like immediately you were like DMing is not about winning or losing. It's not. So I was telling a story. I'm like, okay, 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 all right. <laughs> so yes, I can't have my proteges out there spreading bad things around. <laughs> I know. I was like, yes, Mr. Miyagi, yes, sir. Okay, wax on, wax off. <laughs> But um, I do think if you have this attitude of like, I hate to say sadistic because that sounds really strong, but kind of this like, oh, I cannot wait to put my players through hell this week or I can't wait to scare the crap out of them or I can't wait to do this. It's it's a little bit of like, it's a little concerning. It's like, oh, yeah. do you have any fun, nice things planned for your players? And you're like, yeah, Black Dragon. And they're level five. Okay. Um <laughs> Yeah, all all those DMs who brag or it's not always bragging, but they're like, "Oh, I finally had my first TPK." Yeah, that should be a learning experience on what you did wrong, <laughs> because that is not a badge to hang on. It's just TPKs happen; they do because players make stupid decisions sometimes, and you can't always bail out of it. It happens so quickly in a round of combat that everyone just makes a poor decision, and and that's where you end up. They happen. But for a DM to always be looking for that opportunity to kill a character or yeah. make them pay, it's, it's really bad. Really and bad. I think it's about that that attitude and intent. And I think, too, like another red flag might be attitude towards things like session zeros or towards things like consent forms. And I know consent forms are a relatively new thing. They are. And, Very new. you know... I've seen a lot of discourse on the socials. Uh, I'm, you know, pretty heavily involved in D&D TikTok. And mm-hmm. there's kind of seem to be two camps. And the camp that is anti-consent form, they seem to fall into the same camp as like anti-wheelchairs in D&D. And I'm like, 
what's your problem, my dude? Like that seems to be, you're taking a really strong stance on something that's not even real. Like this is just a game, but they get mad, big mad about it. Yeah. So, I mean, this goes into the same thing of, uh, people calling other people snowflakes for not being able to, you know, deal with things. It, it falls into that same camp. A, a DM should always be listening to their players and what they want out of a campaign. Right. You're not running a campaign for yourself. You may have made this beautiful world, but those players are the ones that have to live in it. Yep. They have to be the ones enjoying it or your game's going to be over very quickly. So being a much older DM, I've <laughs> been doing this for so long, there were there was there was no consent when you started. It was this is the game. This is how you play it. It's a war game that they have adapted to put role playing in. Mm. So it was expected that every session you were having multiple combats every every day. You know you you weren't going to have one combat and then you get us around the fire and sing kumbaya. That wasn't the way it was going to work. You were going to fight your way through a dungeon that took you know six seven hours maybe and you had five six combats. Yeah. That's just the way it was. So older DMs and some of the ones stuck on like second edition still, I can see the transition could be hard. Uh, you're you're having to do a, something different in the way you DM. So again, the red flag, and we want to reiterate this, it's not always a bad thing. It just means that's a that's a play style you may not want to be involved in. Mm-hmm. If if you feel like you need something that the, the DM isn't willing to give, in that instance, you know they're not wanting to have a session zero. They're not wanting to talk about what might trigger you and you know you have some triggers yeah then it's time to look for a different dm not that that's a bad dm but that's not the right table for you yeah i think instead of consent forms making the entry into D more more narrow or the barrier higher i think it actually lifts a barrier and it just allows for people to find the right table to be at and it mm-hmm. keeps keeps people from having bad experiences that send them away from D&D to never return. And so instead, everyone is upfront and honest about, hey, this is what we're doing, so we're getting into, everyone cool. A, that puts responsibility on the player to agree to, you know, this is, yes, I'm cool, I'm comfortable with this, and I'm ready to dive into this world. And then it also, which should free the DM up a little bit, but like, no, I've got green flags on all this, we can go. Mm-hmm. But it just, yeah, it makes everyone you know, equally equally responsible for themselves, for what they're bringing to the table, for what they're going to possibly withstand, you know, at the table, and it just is to keep just to keep everyone safe and having fun in the hobby, and potentially, in using these kind of safeguards, you could be protecting your campaign for a long run, instead of. Yeah playing for two or three years and then suddenly you know, running into this uh, ma- major thing uh, at, at the table in a game where a player's like, I can't deal, I'm out. And they don't want to come back and now the campaign's falling apart and you've wasted, not wasted, but you've had three years into it and now it's done. And so um, instead it, it... That can happen in two to three weeks. Yeah, it doesn't have to be years. It, well, exactly. it can come up quickly. So, you know, it's these things that I, a lot of people scoff at say like oh you're you're so soft i mean not really what we're actually looking for here is longevity what we're looking for here is a good story and uh, you know it's it's not about being soft it's about 
letting people feel safe and welcome at the table so that they can tell a good story. And I think, I think we see an uptick in this because we have a lot more women playing now than there were previously. True. There's a lot more people in general a lot playing more people since in general. 2015 or so. People are more in touch with themselves, their mm -hmm. feelings, their their past and, and things like that. And so we're, we're not saying every DM has to use consent form. We're not saying that. But we're I've never used one. Yeah. Goose never, Goose never used one. But at the same time, he has accomplished the same thing through other means. Making sure everyone feels very safe, getting to know his players through, you know, lots of chat, lots of back and forth, through individual session zeros, um, which I would argue individual session zeros are a heck of a lot more work than just giving somebody a Google <laughs> form. Like, hey, fill it this is. out. I, and I think that's an, a wonderful way to, to accomplish it and is, you know, that's great. And I would, I would be leery of a DM who is like anti-session zero. I don't know of any. But if they're like, oh, that's, that's stupid. We're not going to do that. I'd be like, I don't know that that's a good attitude to have, friend. Yeah, and I don't know any of that it would be totally against it. I think there's still a lot of DMs that just don't understand its purpose and what it's good for or, or how to effectively run one. So I think it's just about teaching the newer DMs the different styles and things. But we, we talked for three months, I think, in a Slack channel before we ever played because I knew one person at the table when we started that was it yeah. and so getting to know the rest of you is important and the reason i love session zeros and we've talked about these a lot i know you guys are probably tired of hearing about <laughs> session zeros but they're important they're very important and the reason i loved the individual style is it it gave the player a chance to try your character to figure out who they are if they're going to fit who you want them to be try a little bit of combat a little bit of rp but at the same time, you got to see how the DM was going to play. So you got to experience a general session for about an hour, I think is all they were. But you got to see how I was going to be running the game. So you had that choice at the time to say, I don't like my character, I want to change it up. Or I don't like my DM, I don't want to find a new game. Yeah. And you got to see how we as players played. So if, if instead you would put us in like a confrontation with some guards in a marketplace and uh, a new player's immediate response was i seduce the guards by doing a strip strip tease <laughs> like you're like whoa, whoa 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 um interesting choice not saying no See but maybe, maybe let's yeah. talk about it you know that's just that <laughs> session zero is a safe place for that because the only people in that session were the player and the dm so it's you know keep, kind of keeps it contained it opens up room for yeah. some dialogue. Be like, hey, I noticed some concerning behavior in your choices. And I just, I wanted to just talk about it really quick. And like, let's just set some parameters. Even yeah. And you guys were all new players. So it was an opportunity for me to as well to be like, okay, what did you like? What did you not like? And here's what I think you can adjust. Yeah. So we had those conversations after that session zero before the first one. And it, it was real simple because none of your characters knew each other. So you all came from a different direction to wind up in the same spot yeah. when first session happened so the session zero is just that background for you as well how did i get here now i know where we're going to start when the campaign starts but how did i get there why was i there yeah so there's just so many reasons for session zeros that you can have absolutely absolutely so we have talked about all the things you should look at but what happens when you find that bad player or dm what do you do I know. I feel as a player, because like you said, there seems to always be a shortage of DMs. And I feel like I would feel st stuck 
So I'm like, I want to keep playing, but mm-hmm. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, how, how do I find another group to join or, or another DM? So, but, you know, yeah, what do you do? I guess the first step would be to talk, right? Absolutely. You need to talk with the DM or the player and just have a flat out honest conversation. You know, hey, this is what I expected. This is what you expected. Where can we meet in the middle or can we? I get the feeling that you could be stuck because that is the hardest thing for new players is to understand that there will always be a game for you. Mm. There will always be a game for you. You do not have to jump on the first person that says, hey, I'll DM you. You don't have to do that. You just have to understand you might have to be flexible. Some people, I see it all the time, are like, I just want an in-person game. I want to sit around a table and have fun. But you're also going to put yourself in a situation. You don't know any of these people. Yeah, (laughs) There could be so many issues with that. And then you might feel even more stuck if you're in person. So to, to have yourself, and that's great if that's what you want. And if you can find it, great. But if you find out when you get there the DM isn't who you expected or how you want to play, you just might have to be flexible enough to say, okay, I'm going to start online and have that option as well. Mm. You know, if I can find another in person, great. If not, I may have to play online to get my fix. So just being flexible, I think, can take you out of a lot of bad situations because no one should ever feel stuck. Do not play at a table that you're not comfortable at. Please listen to me when I say that. It's it's not worth it because you will wind up presenting the game of D&D. Yeah. And it's not the game's fault. Absolutely. How do you feel about, like, if a DM has kind of a, a set rule in place, kind of like three strikes and you're, you're out kind of? you know, system if they've got some, some bad apples at their table. So I've seen it done. I, and I'm going to knock on wood right now (laughs) because I've played with a lot of people and I've never had to kick anyone out of my game. Oh, that's good. I've had people leave a game and that's fine. It happens. They either uh, couldn't make the sessions anymore or there were a couple that were like, this just isn't the style of game I wanted to run. And and, you know, those types of things. So I, I get that, but a, th- a three-strike system or or something like that can be difficult. Mm. I don't think you should take three strikes. You know, I, I think that if you've got somebody that, especially if you've set the parameters and they violate those parameters, there's a, mm. a time to have a discussion. You know, you get both of those players that are having an issue together and you talk about it, you work it out, you give them another chance. And if they do it again, I mean, we talked about intent. If they do it again, yeah. they meant to, yeah. and it's time to go. So I, 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 we have notes and we're looking out for notes. She's, she's wrote in these notes, soccer rules card. I agree with more <laughs> of that. You get a yellow card and then a red card. Yeah. You get the warning and then you're out of the game. That is 100% if, if we had to make a decision like that. Because again, one time is a slip up, but the second time is intent. Uh, yeah. they, they meant to do it. Yeah. Because again, we're not talking about games with children. You know, we're not talking mm-hmm. about after school, middle, middle school programs. These are, Mm-mm. you know grown adults or grown consenting adults who have sat down and, and promised to consent by this, the parameters that would have been set out at the beginning of the game. And so, yeah, like you said, first time's a slip up, second yeah. time's on purpose. I agree. Yeah. Now, if you as a DM failed and you didn't set expectations, then you may have to give them a third strike. But if you did your job and you set the expectations first, I'm, I'm 100% with the, yeah. the two strikes and, and you're out. But you talk about after school programs and running for children. If you ever want to stretch your legs as a DM and really try something difficult, 
just volunteer your time to do that. <laughs> you will feel so much better that you gave your time and so much worse about yourself and your skills as a DM. So there's a trade-off, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the future thing. I would I would like to do that in the future. And I plan on teaching my, my children. So I'm sure that they'll um, give me a run for my money. But <laughs> yeah, I do think, I mean, it's important to... It's important to protect that table culture because even in very, very, a very, very famous D&D actual play podcast, mm -hmm. you know, we've seen a single player really impact the culture of the table. And then eventually that player was asked to leave and you yeah, saw... We don't talk about that player. We don't. That's why I'm not <laughs> mentioning it. I don't want to bring the hammer down. But yes. But it did that entire It did. It made yeah. a huge difference when that person left. Yeah. The entire fandom could feel it in every episode. Yeah. It was just yucky for a long time. And you're right. When the problem was resolved, it felt better. It was a, a wonderful campaign to begin with, but it just felt better. Because you can tell when there's conflict and there's people that aren't getting along and it starts bleeding into competition at the table and other things. It's just, it's, there's no room for that. Uh, I don't know how many times we have to say cooperative storytelling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it takes all of you, everyone at the table to work together. And you can't, I mean, it's like having a really just cruddy character in a book. You know, when mm -hmm. you're, if you're reading a book and there's different viewpoints and you're like mm -hmm. this viewpoint, this viewpoint, this point, oh, I hate this person. You just want to yeah, skip but let it. that person let that person be the NPC. There's plenty of those to hate. Yes, exactly. So it's <laughs> it's super important. It it affects everything about your gameplay. The best piece of advice we can give you is to set those intentions from the beginning. Yeah, that'll save you a lot of headache down the road. But at the same time, if you hadn't done that, it's never too late. Set them now. That's right. So you know That's what, right. guys? I've been thinking. I would really like to create like a you know a a contract or a group covenant for all of us saying, hey, I abide by this, this, this. Like, think, you know, Boy Scout rules and, and uh, just mm -hmm. this is what, what we're going to agree to. And then go from there and just go forward with that in place. And it's never too late to start caring for your table culture. Yeah. Even if you play online, there's a lot of tools you can use for that now. Virtual tabletops like One More Multiverse have them built in. There's a, a red flag button. You just hit it. It pops up. The whole game can stop and you can have conversations if you need to. Yep. So there there are a lot of tools out there to help you through it. If you'll go back to our session zero one and we'll put a link to that in, in the show notes too. We have copies of consent forms you can use, mm -hmm. but they're out there everywhere. Just search for D&D consent forms. So there, there are a lot of easy tools to use to make sure that your table is just going to have fun for a long time in the future. That way you don't have any people leaving and then you don't get to run your game anymore. It's no fun. Yeah. That way the story keeps going. The fun keeps flowing because we want to make sure that everyone at the table feels safe, welcome, and, and heard so that we can all tell a great story together. Absolutely. Unless your character is mute and then they can't be heard. Or Kinku and just says, <laughs> Kinku. <laughs> Just, just, just repeats everything someone else says. <laughs> oh, those are fun. Those are super fun. Not annoying at all. No, I know. If you wouldn't hate me, I would play one in a one-shot. I think that's oh, I awesome. I wouldn't hate you. <laughs> I wouldn't hate you. It's been done before. But, but that's a lot of info on red flags and things to look at. Indeed. I think that gives you some things to think about as a player and as a DM both. So keep an eye out for the culture of your table. Make it as fun as you can and you'll 
you'll be set. And you know what? Join our Discord channel. And if you run into any any problems, drop a note in there. There's lots of great DMs in there that can give some great advice and encouragement. You know, pop in and say, hey, my player started doing XYZ this week. How would you guys handle it? So we're here to support each other. So please join our Discord. Yeah, the Reddit DMs, because that happens a lot. <laughs> you know, people are like, this happened at my table. What do I do? Reddit DMs can be varied. <laughs> a wide <laughs> range of things they might tell you. You might get some uh, blowback on you shouldn't be a better DM or things like that. We'll, we'll never tell you in our Discord that you should be a better DM. No. We'll, we'll work around what you've got. We might help you improve if there's things you know that, that we can. But everyone is learning, and you're allowed to make mistakes. That's that's what happens. So yeah, join our Discord. Lots of good conversations in there. Just had someone the other day ask, "How do you handle CR?" Mm. And that's a whole that's, nother episode that may run the longest one yet. <laughs> that that's a big, that's a big question. It's a big big one. I don't have the answer, so that's all on you. <laughs> I I have theories. <laughs> we'll, we'll play with some theories when that one comes around. <laughs> so please. Remember to like, rate, and subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast. We just want to keep doing what we're doing, talking about d and I'm groveling. I'll do it every week if I have to. <laughs> Come on, people. <laughs> Give me something. And don't, yeah, and don't forget the, the contest, the giveaways that we have going on You know that we mentioned at the beginning. We've got some wonderful things we're giving away, multiple things, so uh, do that. But next week, we will be discussing XP versus milestone which milestone is something that's fairly new with the last couple of editions but it seems to be all the rage now so we'll give you some tips and tricks on which one might fit best at your table next week on the crypt of knowledge